about this podcast. Your hosts, Ed Hammond and Diego Kaminker, talk with global leaders in healthcare informatics about the evolution, current status, and future of healthcare interoperability in their regions and worldwide. This podcast is sponsored by EMEA IASI and HL7 International and is produced by HL7 Argentina. Ed and Diego select five questions for their guests and then let them answer freely. The questions are randomly chosen live from a longer list, so they'll be surprised and their guests will be surprised too. About our sponsors. About the Academy. The International Academy of Health Sciences Informatics was established in 2017 under the auspices of EMEA, the International Medical Informatics Association. It promotes the dissemination of informatics-based knowledge and best practices, fosters new ideas, and encourages worldwide collaboration and sharing of expertise and resources. About HL7 International. Founded in 1987, Health Level 7 International is a not-for-profit ANSI-accredited standards-developing organization. HL7 is supported by more than 1,600 members from over 50 countries, including 500-plus corporate members. About HL7 Argentina. HL7 Argentina was founded in 1999, making it one of the oldest HL7 affiliates. HL7 Argentina created the HL7 Fire Fundamentals course, which has educated about 7,000 students in HL7 standards worldwide since 2008. A little about your hosts. Diego Kaminker has defined, implemented, and maintained hundreds of healthcare interoperability projects using the major HL7 standards. He's an Academy Fellow and is currently an Affiliate Director on the HL7 International Board. Ed Hammond is Chair Emeritus and Founder of HL7 International, Chair of the Standards Panel of EMEA IASI, and Creator of the original HL7 Messaging Standard. For more details, be sure to check out the podcast notes. And let's begin with the important part now about our guests. In this episode, we will explore the past, current status, and perspectives on healthcare informatics in Brazil. Our guests today are Lincoln Moura and Beatriz de Faya Leao from Brazil. Welcome to both of you. Lincoln, for, for over 40 years, Lincoln has been a very active member of the health informatics community. He was EMEA president from 2013 to 2015. He's a founder member of IASI and an EMEA honorary fellow. His major interest now lies in regional, national, and global digital health strategies. Welcome, Lincoln, again. And about Bea, she's a medical doctor and has worked in the area of health informatics since 1980. She's the founder of the Brazilian Society of Health Informatics in 1986 and was president for four terms. Beatrice combines academic, government, and private experience and works at the Hospital Sirio Libanese in Sao Paulo, teaching at the postgraduate course in health informatics since February 2014, and also in the telehealth project. Two monsters today, so what to say about them. And we will begin with our questions. The, the first question is not random, it's uh, the same question for everyone. And I will ask for, for, for you, for both of you. Uh, how did you become involved in healthcare interoperability standards and healthcare informatics, and what was your drive? So if you, whenever you want to begin, Bea or Lincoln, it's okay. Hello, Diego. Hello, Ed. Thanks for the invitation. It's a great pleasure to speak to our Latin American audience and likely to the rest of the world as well. So uh, I, I began 
my interoperability journey dealing with medical images in the late 80s when we tried to interoperate digital images among systems and that was absolutely impossible till we managed to get the DICOM standard and from then on I have always been working on trying to get interoperability to work in order to provide better services to the overall health uh, community. So it's the challenge goes on and now we are dealing with the strategies in order to make interoperability a concept that goes far beyond simple exchange of information but also going into interoperability uh, of let's say processes and organization models. Well and I have started when the ISO TC215, the Health Informatics Committee, was founded in Orlando in a meeting organized by Peter Wegman towards the electronic health record and I, I can't recall if it was 2006, 2007, but I believe Ed will remember that. So that was when I started and I became a very active member of the ISO com community and we tried to form the community here in Brazil and it, this has been very challenging. But since then, I've been working pretty much with standards in, and interoperability, both at the international and national level. And what, why did you begin? What, what was your drive? Oh, to share clinical information, because uh, the siloed systems we had at, at that time, and we still have now, and this is very, very frustrating, isn't it? That we still have several different systems that, at least here, that do not talk to each other properly, that one physician that is at the primary care unit does not see the result of the teleconsultation, and uh, the patient gets lost in the middle, so why? to share clinical information and provide better care. That was my motivation to enter in this area and to provide better care through the use of uh, health information technology. Okay, so let's begin with our uh, questions, our random question, let's uh, spin the wheel. And the question is number two for Bea, uh, tell us about the use of healthcare interoperability standards in your country or region, a little or much about the origins and also any fundamental success or failure. Yeah, very good question. So after ISOTC215 was founded, we tried to create the Mirror Committee here in Brazil and our first attempt was very unsuccessful because our, our mirror, ISO, that is ABNT, they, they didn't understand what this area was. What is this of health informatics? No, we don't, we don't need a committee for that. It took us maybe three or four years to begin the work here. But it has been very challenging because this is a committee that has no sponsorship whatsoever. So standards now are beginning to really enter in the mainstream at the Ministry of Health. Finally, finally. After how many after how many years? Oh, we now are 2021, so more than 10 years, 15 years maybe. It took the Ministry of Health in the last five years to 
to three years to really adopt fire as a national standard and we are now exchanging uh, information in what we call RNDS, the Hedge National Network of Digital Health. And we are now starting to exchange information. For instance, if you get a COVID shot here in Brazil in perhaps a week, you can check your immunization certificate on, on your mobile because it's been registered at the national level. You can also share medication, you can also share all your uh, COVID exams. And uh, during this year, the summary discharge from hospitals. And also, uh, we are using LOINC, uh, finally, and this took 20 years. So I myself, I feel frustrated because I've been preaching to the clouds for years and it seems now we have the, the, the right team at the Ministry of Health. Are you using LOINC for both reporting and also ordering? You are ordering using LOINC? No, we are using for reporting COVID exams only at the moment because mm. uh, what we have here as a national standard is is a is a something a classification very similar to CPT in US so mm -hmm. it's only used for payment. Uh, Brazil enrolled in Sonomad, paid a year, and then didn't pay anymore. So, so we are struggling with all terminologies, classifications. We are not using ICD-11, what is a problem now for this international immunization certificate, as, as you have seen the data set, and ICD-11 has been proposed. So mm -hmm. we will use the ICD-11 codes for the immunization certificate. So we are starting with the use cases that demand us to use those international standards, and by then we are starting to evolve. But it's very slowly, Diego. But if you think in your history, you see any groundbreaking changes not not i not i not mean this year or or last year but maybe 10 years ago something like like stroke you like we are doing this like yeah i think I in 2003 2003 uh, brazil started to write the national e-health strategy and this made the change and because of political reasons it took many years for this strategy to be approved and published. And now we are at the second round of it already implementing it. So there was a breakthrough. And I would say the breakthrough was the publication and of the Brazilian National eHealth Strategy that is now even available in English. You can, you can check it at our Ministry of Health. Apparently, Ed wants to talk. Yeah, I Let's, want to ask a, a question. Who really is driving, moving ahead with this? Is this is this being driven by the technical community, by the standards? Is it being driven by the healthcare systems? Is it being driven by the government? Who really is behind now the movement to expand the use of standards and more importantly to take the use of the standards to improve healthcare? What's, okay. what's, What's the force moving this forward? Well, there is, that's a very good question. And the main force at the moment is the government. 
but the government has learned from the communities. The current, let's say, the, the boss of the national health strategy at the moment is someone that came from the Brazilian Society of Health Informatics. So we have been, of course, it, it has an accruement of uh, efforts throughout the years, and now it's been dealing with and leading by, being led by the government, which is a very good thing because we understand it's impossible to be done without it. And the good thing about Brazil, as you know, is that we have just one national health health system. So the standards for describing procedures and for describing patients and for identifying patients in, in healthcare facilities is just one for the whole country. So we are in a good position to have one distributed network in the cloud, which is the case actually, using standards that Beatriz is likely to speak next, in order to exchange information throughout the country. So what now we are trying to do is to set up an environment for collaboration among players so that we can take the most of it and guide ourselves in order to provide use, to give use to this RNDS, which is the national network. HL7 Brazil has been very, very proactive and has helped a lot because the Ministry of Health does not have the technical, all the technical expertise, or, or maybe I, I should rather uh, rephrase that. They don't have enough people with the technical expertise to build all the profiles. So HL7 Brazil has been working very, very hard to create the profiles for e-prescribing because since we are now doing everything is teleconsultation and we need the e-prescribing profile, has also worked uh, and we've been working and I'm together on, on this team, we've, we've been working with the International Patient Summary and this is a very nice movement because as you know HL7 involves uh, hospitals, governments, uh, universities. So I would say that now HO7 Brazil in the last maybe two, three years uh, is making a major effort and it is totally aligned with this national project, what is very nice. And we've been working voluntarily. We have meetings every week at night and then we have homework to do for the rest of the week and it's a big team it's not a big team but perhaps we are 30 40 people working very hard under the umbrella of hl7 brazil that is very good this is something very important this is the same happened in argentina in the last years and i think it's happening in chile it's something that we are all together doing, maybe uh, at the same time and, and in different uh, countries, but this is the, the way that I think FIRE was a igniter of, of this kind of, of work that we can help our government to go forward with this. And it's very important and I, it makes me cry almost uh, after tw 20 years of, of, uh, of fighting for this. We are, we are actually doing this uh, in, in, our, in all our countries. You didn't mention the clinical community. You know, how are the doctors, can the doctors tell that something new is happening? Are they are they yes. opening their arms yes. and welcome this? And is their yes. life better because of, of this? Finally, the Brazilian uh, Medical Association, the national one, has just created two months ago a digital health committee and they do want interoperability, so now they are beginning to understand that we need to share information. Now they realize that with 
with the I think that the, the teleconsultation ignited the need for interoperability that was not there before, you see. Because they, they were used to have the hospital information system and their clinical system in, in their office. But now, all of a sudden, we have this teleconsultation thing in the middle, and they need to share that information. So, so I think this is one of the blessings, if we can say, of this damn pandemic. Pandemics. Pandemics, yeah. Thank you. Okay, let's go to our next question. Let's uh, roll the... Our Wheel of Fortune, and the number is uh, 14. Uh, this is for both of you. Uh, how can global organisms like uh, WHO or PAHO help in the adoption of uh, health information standards? Anything concrete they can do, in your opinion? Well, PAHO, I think, uh, has been doing, uh, they, they did a survey that I think was good. I think they need to do another one, but that would be only published. And I think they have to do, uh, now they have to be totally online, but I think we have to exchange information. I would love to know what you are doing more in Argentina, Uruguay and Chile, so that we can exchange our technical expertise and perhaps PAHO could support the technical assistance. I think this is something that they have, at least they had uh, budget to do that. So to provide technical assistance to help us, because since they are in every country and they can reach the minister himself, so they should talk to the minister and show the, the WHO resolutions show the need for interoperability and standards. And at least in Brazil, since uh, the, the Health Informatics Committee has no sponsorship whatsoever, if I go to an ISO meeting, I have to pay myself. So this has to be sponsored somehow, as it is in Canada, as it is in Australia. I know in many countries the money is also shrinking, but there should be a line of investment and uh, uh, supporting this type of efforts. And to put all the committees together, like HO7, like uh, ISO, and uh, we should all work together uh, towards uh, the common benefit. So I think this would be something that PAHO engagement and uh, to really convince on of the importance of adopting standards for the Ministry of Health. We are giving very small steps, Linko. Well, I believe that WHO has just published its uh, global uh, digital health strategy, which is I like the, the notion that it brings that WHO and PAHO is part of WHO can work as a catalyzer for organizations to work together and to promote better best practices, including in standards. And regarding standards, I think that one of the major things that we should try to sell, quoted, is the notion of the uh, common goods, global goods. I mean, if we're using things that you are using in Argentina and folks are using all over the world, 
we can take that for granted. We can start using it and we can improve. Of course, we can deliver, we can reply with comments and with new proposals, new ideas and localize it to work in Brazil. But you don't have to discuss the whole thing. So the notion of global goods is, in my view, the ones, the one that we need to pursue when developing artifacts, goods and standards for healthcare. So I didn't yeah, I, the, the first time I, I, I understood this was with, with the IPS. IPS struck me like something that we can all use. It's really global and it has a, a great level of consensus. And I think that it's the way to do things in the future. I think Ed is always uh, telling us this, that we well, need to create I, something I mean, that is good for everyone. everyone. Well, I was going to ask, because in the US now, you know, we really are, are, are really refocusing on consumers and on equity. And, 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 and is this becoming, becoming an initiative uh, in Brazil as well? Are you, how much, how much is the general population aware of what's happening and what needs to happen. I mean, oh, are you beginning? I mean, you know, patient reported outcomes, all of those things, social determinants of health, seem to be things that involve people. Yeah. And, and, and what's happening in that area in, in Brazil? No, I, I, yeah, I, I think that the. <laughs> that the pandemics has raised awareness regarding everything. So people want to know about their uh, vaccination card, they want to know about where to get the vaccine, when the next vaccine will, vaccine will come. So this, and now that they are allowed to have teleconsultations, everyone is using it from private sector to public sector, everyone is using. So people are getting more aware that how good digital health can be for themselves. So it is. It's being involved. It has involved patients, doctors, the government, and the like. So it is. Of course, there is still a long journey to to go through. Yeah. But but it's it has changed. I I, I, I I will disagree with Lincoln regarding patients. At least uh, our patients from the public health system, all they care is that they get care. So they, they still, they don't understand our privacy law that is very, very similar as the European one or, or HIPAA, but it's more similar than GDPR, the European one. And we have to read that two pages consent for the patient. And sometimes we, it, this takes 15 minutes of a consultation. We're doing it through a telephone with a person in the Amazon by the river. So we have to do a pre-consultation by a nurse to explain what this is. And they have no idea whatsoever that they have the right to access the information, to share the information. So we have to educate our people. And we have to educate our physicians as well because they are not educated. They, they think they can build an Excel table with the name of all their patients, you see, because they are my patients, so I want to have this Excel table in my computer. So things like that. So this will be a challenge for this country. The law is already up and running, uh, and from next year on, any disclosure, uh, the fees are very, very high, and we have to explain this to the population at all levels. Maybe 
patients who have access to private hospitals, private clinics, they understand more. And they, when they leave the hospital, they say, I want my electronic health record. I want my, my papers. Give me my papers. So most of the hospitals now have one person dedicated to do that, to either put it on a PDF or whatsoever, but not in the public system. So, and then I think this is a challenge. Although, although thanks to the RNDS, there is this mobile application that is called Connect SUS. SUS is our national system that people can access, and now they are enjoying it because everything is there. Your what is your place on the transplant uh, waiting list? It's there. So you can check it every day. What is the medication you're going to receive for free? Your immunization. When do you have to take the new one? So, and this, Brazilians have many cell phones, two cell phones for each person. So they know how to use mobile applications. And I think You this think this is part of, of, of the, the natural evolution in your country or it's uh, due to COVID? And, and no, the, this the is a natural evolution. Uh, Brazil, uh, the number of cell phones, I think it's two times the number of the population. It's and, yeah, and and people use it, and they and they really know how to use those mobile applications. And I think through the national network now on the on the cloud, and through this mobile application that integrates both private and public, at least for immunizations and and uh, high cost medications and so on. This is really a game changer. Okay, let's get to the next question. Let's see what the future brings us. A fill of questions. And this is for Lincoln. It's question 15. There is a continuous tension between globally applicable uh, heat standards and local variations and needs. What is your vision an experience about this? Any specific clinical or administrative area where you see a fast way to adoption, like immunization, for instance? I, I believe that the, there is a tension, in, and again, it goes back to the global goods notion that we need to use whatever is ready to be used and adapt, if that's the case, adopt, adapt, and, and, but not to develop. And but I understand it's difficult for people to understand that. I mean, it's, which, it has always been easier to develop my uh, list of codes, my list of diagnoses, and the like. And yeah, we it, call it we call it the non-invented here syndrome. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, if we exactly. did not if we did not invent it, then yeah, then it's not good. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so everyone knows this, and this is one of the problems that we have faced for the last thirty years or so. But now, I believe that the with the, with the advent of the cloud as a concept and as a practical thing, I believe that now we are starting to do this easily. You see, there was this discussion in Brazil about using the public cloud or even the cloud, whatever cloud it is, to store clinical data. Now, the government proposes that RNDS be based on a public cloud. So we have this so no one in Brazil now can say, well, we, there is no legitimacy to put my data on the cloud. And in order to put the data on the cloud, you need to stick to a series of standards. And then we can take advantage and use, start using the 
global standards that are properly, let's say, uh, localized to attend uh, Brazilian needs. And for, this, is, this is how, I, I mean, for the first time, I've seen hospitals and health plan operators looking for help in order to use, to understand and use age of seven and other standards. Of course, age of seven itself is not enough, but they need, they, they are looking for us and asking, how can I use this? How can I move in that direction? So, there is no, no short answer to your question, but I would say that basic information exchange for, let's say, for billing purposes or for recording, registering things is gonna work faster than for clinical stuff. And this, and the government is trying to push things towards uh, clinical data. So let's see how this evolves in a country like Brazil. And I understand that this is the same thing that all over the world. I mean, it, it is. It and is. if you take small countries, I mean, very, very developed countries, but it's still small countries that have tried to use their own standards. They face problem now because no one in the market wants to maintain those standards. So this is this is the kind of conflict that you mentioned in the beginning of your question. Yeah, I think I, I heard that at least three times in the last six months. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Cases like you are telling, yeah. But if I may, I think we should collaborate more. And, and because we have FIRE now, and we are all doing profiling in FIRE for our countries, uh, of course, everything is there. You go on Simplifier, I, I, can, I can access what you've been doing, you can access what I've been doing. But I think it would be very interesting if we could sit with a technical group sharing exactly what we've been doing so we could share and instead of replicating in every country, we could reuse. The International Patient Summary, I think it's a game changer. And I think that is something that PAHO should really go to each Minister of Health and say, you have to implement the International Patient Summary because we're going to have a new pandemic, we're going to need health information, we will have to share. So it's the International Patient Summary and also the report on adverse reactions that uses MEDRA, but we don't have an HL7. I think we don't have yet an HL7 profile for that, and that goes to, to another place in WHO in, in Sweden. So all the things that we can share information that can help us battle the next pandemics, the immunization certificate that is a lot of buzz around should we use, I think we should use, and I think all the information should be there. And I know, you know I, I created I, I, I thought about this this podcast to learn from the academy and if we need to learn something is your your recent words this is something we need to remember and and, and take it forward and remember to, to work together to share our profiles in uh, this is concrete is share the profiles and see if something that you are doing it's it's better than elsewhere or or you can share the, uh, or get a better version altogether and, and let the governments know that this is happening and, and this is how it has to be done. Uh, it's it's uh, very important. So let me ask a question, since we're moving in this direction now, because of uh, the academy. 
Um, and, and, and Diego and, and certainly is very much involved in, 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 in one of the, the efforts of standards. What, what should the academy be doing? We don't make standards in the academy. Um, what, what, how do we contribute to the future? How, what, what role should we be playing? To whom should we be talking? Um, and, and what message should we be delivering? Lincoln looks like he's eager to answer this. No, I'm, I'm eager to recall one thing that you mentioned here in Brazil probably 20 years ago. So when someone asked the academy and, and standards and you said, well, they barely tolerate us. Right, right. I'm not sure you recall that. So I think that we, we need to also to instruct them. The notion that, that there is a notion that by having the standards, you are stuck, you have, they prevent your liberty of work. And my answer to this is that this is just like grammar. If you don't know grammar, you can say that, well, having to, being, being uh, required to abide by a grammar, grammatic rule, I won't be able to express myself properly. But that's untrue, because the truth is that the, the language and the grammar allows you to communicate with others, right? So this is a, a, it's a terrible mistake. And I think that we should try to educate the academ academia as well. Otherwise, we'll be left behind. And I think the challenge, Ed, for me, it's not the technical part, it's the governance. How do you make those things work, you see? What are the good examples across this small planet that made standards a success, that you have uh, concrete cases that really worked? And what is the governance behind the scenes, you see? How do the Ministry of Health and the standards organizations work together and the community itself? So to have a look from the top and really see how those, this ecosystem could work better. Because at the moment, at least here, we are the technical guys, you see. We don't have leverage to the decision makers. So I think the academy has to reach the decision makers and make them understand and help to establish and train and educate on proper governance structures that can make this happen. And I think this for me is, I'm getting old, it's, it's so frustrating, so frustrating. I, I see Europe advancing. If you look at the, the WHO Health, uh, Digital Health Europe, they have advanced a lot on governance structures and, and uh, how this should happen. They have several very important documents that I like very, very much. But for the rest of us, this is a nowhere territory. And if I knock at the door at the Minister of Health at the moment, well, well here, forget it, because it's a mess. But anyway, in, in, other, in other places. Uh, but I think people are realizing that they need to share the clinical information. And for that, you need standards. But it's not the technical part. You need the governance. But one of the comments that I make is the I, when I was working with Paho on some projects, I found out the best place, the, 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 the right people to talk to is the Ministry of Finance. 
Uh, have, how much? How broadly are you engaged with the Brazilian government? Uh, I mean, are you? I mean, this is a, ultimately ends up saving money. And are you? Is this a message you're delivering? And how are you doing it? Yeah, that's a good question. What I can tell you is that there is a a, a digital government yeah, initiative uh, within the, the 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 Minister of Finance is in here, and so and I know that the Minister of Health is aligned with that and are trying to promote things that work for the overall government and then extend this to the healthcare as well. But you know that the guys from the Minister of Health, of the Minister of Finances, they don't have the understanding of how difficult healthcare is. So in, in general, people want to have uh, quick answers to difficult problems, but it's still the alignment exists at the moment, which is a good thing to, to, to know. The other thing that I would like to point out is that, well, all of us, we, we know that uh, all, all development in health informatics or whatever field of activity we are considering is driven by use cases. I want to sort out a given use case. And as Beatrice mentioned a short while ago, now we have the pandemic as an, an international and global, actually, uh, use case. So it is important at the moment that everyone, including WHO and its members, develop the use case for pandemics management. Because it's knocking on our door, it's here already, and it's going to knock our door again and again in the next few years. And we need to get ready now for the next wave, otherwise we'll be always chasing our tails. And also, uh, uh, there was no question about that, but I think uh, one of the challenges in this area is capacity building. Uh, we don't have enough people that understand what that is. And we don't have enough people now here to create all the profiles we need. That is why I think we should share. I don't see uh, the academy doing that, but the academy could also help and uh, through PAHO and WHO enforce and to countries that they need to have health informatics in the major stream. It is not in the major stream here in Brazil. It's still something that, so what do you do? Oh, yeah, you work with computers and health. Yeah. It, digital health now, it's a name that because of the pandemics and everything, it's becoming a buzzword. But uh, it's, I think we need, at least here, a lot more people trained. Well, we levels. have time for two more questions. And, and these are questions that Lincoln contributed and they will become part of our regular set of questions. So I thank Nilkom very much uh, on, on this contribution. So the, the first one is, uh, what do you think is coming in terms of interoperability and the use of cloud in healthcare? This is a nice question and I will let Lincoln answer. Yeah, okay, I, that's, that's I, I cannot say that this is a good question, <laughs> but, but I can say that, <laughs> that I have a good I like answer. It. I have a good answer. Uh, and the answer is that, we say, the cloud, many people or most organizations in healthcare in Brazil are using the cloud in order to reduce costs and get their own systems connected, right? So they are reducing costs 
think number think number think number one and second one they believe that they can use the cloud to make their systems connect to each other but I believe that the next generation for these organizations in Brazil is to be able to use the cloud to interact interoperate with other players in the market so that completely new business models can derive out of that right so that we can have things that we haven't thought of before uh, uh, health be, uh, value-based health care and things that we we have the concept but we cannot realize because we don't have the means for that but it's still we, again we need to overcome the hurdle that is that companies organizations in healthcare, in other areas as well they don't understand that the need to interoperate with others. So it's interesting because we're speaking about this in some comp to some companies in Brazil. They say, no, no, I don't want to share my data. You see, I don't want to share my data. I don't want to share my data. So this is a hurdle that be, needs, needs to be overcome because it's bad for the business. It's, it's bad for healthcare. It's bad for health because people are losing data losing opportunities and losing money because they are doing things two or three times and they are losing ways of connecting with other people's uh, other people's uh, needs and abilities and capabilities as well so if 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 i may diego I just would like to extend this question to answer another one that that uh, i think is important that is what we can expect from the strategy in brazil the digital health strategy has just been published it goes in that direction because it says that the goal the vision for health for digital health in brazil is that by 2028 we have the platform the rnds working as a national platform for services, innovation, and information, and services in digital health. So in order to become uh, a platform, we need to have all sorts of standards in place. Standards for describing consent, standards for exchanging information properly, because we need to have uh, legal security that we won't be challenged for the, the exchange of information that we have done. So I think it's it's a wonderful theme. I believe that uh, we need to be concerned with that. We need to be focused on how to extend the cloud beyond a single organization. Very nice. And, and I have yesterday I have a meeting with a guy, and he asked me, "Okay, if I set up this exchange in the cloud, will it scale automatically?" And it, I I thought this is new. So we can scale automatically. <laughs> and maybe 10 years ago, that wasn't even a possibility. <laughs> so I, I'm thinking in Brazil, scale is, is a, uh, an issue. I, I, I thought about you all the time. <laughs> so because, because when we have 10, you have 200. Okay. So <laughs> everything is big. Yeah. And everything should scale automatically. And yes. I think the cloud is one of the, the, exactly. the game changers. Uh, you, you can go from, from 10 to 200 very fast. Okay, and Ed, you have any more questions for our friend? This was very, very nice. It's, it was like a dream. I guess. Have you both here? I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'll let you do a prediction for me. I, I, I guess I'm interested in knowing what are some gaps that you think we'll be able to step across 
over the next five years? What are going to be some of the breakthroughs? What are your thoughts about that? Go. Oh, well, yes, I, I, uh, I believe that once uh, people understand that we can, I, I believe that the cloud, there is no digital transformation without the cloud, full stop. So once the cloud is perceived as not a technical instrument, but a business uh, support for providing new services, things that we can even think of today, I think this will be a real game changer. I believe that people will uh, explode their silos and they will say, well, I need more of this. It's going to be addictive because people will get uh, joy out of the information. And just like Amazon does, you see, they started selling books and now they are much, much, much more than this and have things that they didn't even imagine 20 years ago. So I don't believe that we're going to make that in 80 years as it's in our vision, but we, I hope that we advance, we, we break barriers around this notion that we can provide all sorts of services through a national uh, infrastructure. I think the breakthrough, maybe it's not a breakthrough, but it's going to happen, is all the things related to tele, tele-monitoring, tele, telehealth, uh, and decision support. Because you see, what FIRE now provides for us is a platform where we can add decision support. And, and it, it works in any device, so this ecosystem will explode. That's my perception. So we will be able to provide better care for persons at home, uh, connecting them in an ecosystem. Everything, of course, is stored in the cloud, but we will have uh, infinite applications that will be able to support that patient. As I've heard this week in a conference, hospitals are not the place Patients should be at home and only go to hospitals if for they repair. need for repair. Sickness should be treated at home. And in order to do that, our ecosystem of devices, monitoring, mobile applications, decision support, robots, and so on, this has to explode. It is already exploding in Japan, for instance, but and some places in U.S. But I think this will be the next, uh, the next step. And I think now we have this architecture where we can plug things. And I think Fire is providing this. So I think this changed the game for all of us. But I think we have to share more again and again. We have to do that. Diego, please, let's make something for Latin America, whatever. Beautiful. That's my vision. Very nice having you, very nice having you with us. And it was, uh, it's, it, it's our first episode with uh, guests. So you are our first guest. Wow, thank you. Um, and uh, our next episode will be with uh, people from Australia, with... Um, Uh, Heather Grain and Evelyn Hovenga. Okay. Oh, oh, wonderful! And, yeah, and it will be next next month. And I think we will publish our first episode and this one in the next weeks. So I will let you know where the recording will be in your uh, 
usual podcast uh, Apple or, or Spotify. And uh, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you, Ed. Thank you. Um, thank, thank you, folks. It was wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. It was wonderful. Thank you so much. I miss thank you. you so much. Very thank nice. You. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Memories, the beautiful memories of, of Brazil for me. And Kate, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. Love you. Bye-bye. Thank you.